Hello, welcome to Helen Talks Who. I'm Helen and today I'm talking about Nightmare in Silver. Now, I have said before on this podcast that I do not make lists of favourite doctors or favourite companions or, 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 or favourite episodes or anything like that. And that is true. However, um, th- this is my favourite Cyberman story. Um, yeah, I don't... I don't in general make lists and stuff and, and, and you know, I say it as my favourite and that's, you know, today as we get further through the rewatch I may change my mind. Um but yeah, this is my favourite Cyberman story. Um and I did scan through the other contenders, um, or like the other places that we've seen the Cyberman to make sure and certainly um none of the ones that we've watched so far in this rewatch Nightmare and Sylvie, you know, Rise of the Cybermen with Cybus Industries, Army of Ghosts. Army of Ghosts is excellent, but it's excellent for reasons that aren't really to do with the Cybermen. And that's actually probably the category that a lot of Cybermen stories fit into me, is that, like, they're really good, but it's not because of the Cybermen. Um, similarly, the Neck Doctor, you know, it's the Jackson Lake stuff that makes the Neck Doctor really good. Closing time, it's it's the Craig stuff that makes that episode good. Um, Dark Water and World Enough in Time, those two two-parters, those those are the only real contenders that could uh, that could beat this episode for me. But again, I think the reason that I like Dark Water and World Enough in Time is due to the like Missy and the Master stuff in 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 both of those two parters. Um, although World Enough in Time, I I do like the Cybermen in that one. Um, so that one's probably a close second. Um, and I was I I was so I was checking like the list of um of Doctor Who episodes with with the Cybermen in, um and. In the 13th Doctor, there's the Ascension of the Cybermen. Literally cannot remember that story. Um, it, it's going to be really interesting when I get to um, the 13th Doctor in this rewatch because I haven't rewatched much of her stuff other than the first series. Um, so it will be really interesting when we get to that. And there are going to be a few episodes in the 13th Doctor's era that I will be rewatching for the first time. Um, so that something to look forward to but yeah no this this one nightmare and silver is 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 my favorite cybermen story um so the cybermen they're often used as sort of miscellaneous soldiers you'll notice when i just ran through the episodes that we've seen the cybermen in you'll notice that i didn't include episodes like pandora opens and a good man goes to war where they have you know, small appearances and are kind of just there to be blown up. Uh, certainly in A Good Man's Ghost War, that is literally their function. Um, so they use kind of a futuristic, generic aliens in, in, in quite a few of their stories, I think. Um, and then the stories where they are um, the main point of it, they tend to have this kind of mastermind behind them, uh, most notably... Um, dark water and world enough in time where it's missy and and the master um pun intended mastermind yeah um (laughs) uh 
yeah, so I don't know. The thing I like about this episode is it makes the Cybermen scary again and powerful in their own right. They don't they don't have another mastermind here. They're not being used as foot soldiers. They are they are a military power in their own right. Um and I think that's the thing that I really like about this episode. On my original watch back in 2013, I liked that this story divorced the Cybermen from the Cybus Industries backstory. Just because the fact that the Cybermen had two backstories is something that always bugged me when I was younger. Um, because I was aware of their backstory from classic Doctor Who, even though I hadn't seen um, those episodes. I have watched uh, The Tomb of the Cybermen. I have watched that episode, um, that story even. Um, but I was aware of their backstory in that and the fact that the Cybus Industries backstory is like a completely different one um, is something that... I didn't get comfortable with until uh, until the world enough and time two parter actually so relatively recently. Um, that element of it, the that element of uh, the Cybermen having different backstories doesn't bother me so much anymore, and um, partly because of world enough and time, and partly just because I am an adult now and I can understand there being different versions of stories. <laughs> um, I have I have learnt. <laughs> So, how does this make the Cybermen scary again? Part of it is seeing their power. Um, we see them at full strength. Um, and we see them doing this, like, upgrading to counter weaknesses, which are just, is just great. Um, but a lot of it is the mythos in this episode of the Cyber War. That's the... Um, I I think that's a really good bit of world building that um yeah really works for the cybermen. Um we also have though the other great thing about this episode is we have the cyberplanet theme. So the cybermen do have a mastermind behind them. They have the cyberplanet but the cyber planner is, you know, he is part of them. He is part of the Siberiad. So it gives it gives the Siberiad a a voice and also raises the stakes. Um because it's not just this uh kind of non specific military power, you know, it's not just a bunch of metal soldiers. It 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 they have a greater plan behind them of, of wanting to um you know spread across the galaxy again um and that and that works very well because yeah the cybermen they definitely need someone to vocalize for them um in 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 most of their episodes they they're not the most I was going to say they're not the most complex of Doctor Who monsters, but I don't think that's fair. Um, I suppose the whole idea of the Cybermen, this idea that they don't have emotions and that they have this sort of hive mind, it's 
it it means that individual Cybermen can't kind of stand out, you know, they're sort of a homogenous blob. Um, and that's obviously in contrast to the Daleks, where, yes, the Daleks are all working towards the same goal, but I don't know, with the Daleks, it seems to be easier to give them a little bit of uh, individuality to each Dalek, um, whereas the Cybermen, that seems to be slightly trickier. I think. Um, and then the third thread of this episode, which is, well, I, I was going to say it's not to do with the Cybermen, but actually it is because it's to do with the impact that this cyber war has had on on the universe. Um, and it's the thread with um with with the character of Porridge, um, and this interesting moral question of, you know, he is living with this horrendous thing that he did for very good reasons but he still has to live with it um and that's firstly that's an interesting moral question to explore and secondly it is directly relevant to the doctor and this is this is particularly apparent on this rewatch knowing that we're about to go into the anniversary story um i've got to stop calling it the anniversary story given that we're getting the 60th anniversary this year um but it's Day of the Doctor is still in my head as the anniversary story, so um, possibly have to train myself out of that. Um, but yeah, uh, it's interesting. So um, I've actually already watched Name of the Doctor. I watched both episodes yesterday and I'm recording um, this and I'll record my Name of the Doctor one t- today. Um, so like it's very clear from name of the doctor that we're heading into the anniversary story but actually we've got we've got the initial roots here as well um so yeah the cybermen are scary again we've got a really good mastermind behind them that is giving specifically the cybermen a voice and we have this character that has had uh that has been properly deeply impacted by the Cybermen through through having to having to fight them and having to blow up a galaxy. Um it's great. The idea of Porridge being the Emperor, when I was watching um and certainly the bit at the end where it's where Andrew suddenly, you know, comes out and says, Oh yeah, Porridge can activate the thing. He's the Emperor. Like that'll solve it. Um there is a small sense of uh, Deus Ex Machina, very small sense, just because, um, I think it's just because, possibly because Angie gets it, and possibly because it, it moves quite quickly from that point of, um, of, of the, of, oh yeah, Porridge can do it, and then, oh yes, he does, and that does indeed solve it, and the episode is done. But it does it it it's still good. It it's still good, and I think that's because it has been properly seeded. Even though the way Angie says it, it seems to come out of nowhere. You can tell, particularly on a rewatch, once you know the reveal, you can tell that Porridge has been considering this throughout the episode. Um. Y- yeah from the conversations he has with the uh with the captain and um 
and yeah, you can just tell that he has been considering this throughout the episode and he's, you know, been realising that it might be an option. Um, so it's, yeah, it, do- it doesn't come out of nowhere, it's just the way Angie says it. Um, Angie and Artie in this episode, I don't have much to say about, to be honest. Um, it's nice to see Clara in slightly more uh caretaker um mode. Um, but I mean, even when I first watched this, I was uh I was at uni. Uh, yeah, I was at uni. Um, so like I wasn't a kid anymore, and I think the point of having kids in Doctor Who stories is often for the kids that are watching. Um, so I don't have much to say about Angie and Artie. Um, so yes, this is this is my favourite Cyberman story for those for those reasons. Um, and now I want to talk about Clara. Um, yeah. So she's um she's she's great during this episode. Um I want to um call out Jenna's performance um for a couple of ele- elements of it. Firstly, like her performance of Clara as being very like comfortably in control of the platoon is really excellent. Um and it's really appropriate because this is of course the penultimate episode of the series and Clara has come a long way since uh since we first saw her in in the Bell of St John. Um like she is, you know, properly properly settled into being a companion now um there's also a really lovely smaller moment um when the when the captain of the platoon starts activating the bomb halfway through the episode clara has this proper moment of just seeing her life flash before her eyes um it's a really great performance by Jenna. It's really subtle. It's got this like shell-shocked, wide-eyed performance. It's a little bit similar to that moment in Cold War, I think, when she sees the uh, when she sees the dead bodies. Um, but yeah, I thought that was excellent. Um, stood out to me on this watch. Um, the other thing that's uh, interesting about Clara in this episode is that at one point she says to the captain of the platoon, she says, the only reason I'm still alive is because I do what the doctor says. Now, I'm not convinced by that. Um, I'm not convinced by this claim. I don't think, um, certainly in the episodes that we've seen, I don't think that's what Clara has learned from travelling with the doctor. Obviously, you know, there will be other adventures that have happened during this period of time for Clara. Um, and certainly, like, saying that, um, saying that is a very good, like, general companion line. You know, it's very much what we would expect the companion to say and to think. But it doesn't ring true for Clara. So let's go through this. Let's make sure I'm not misremembering it. Um, so Belle of St. John, she does follow the Doctor around. Um, she does get knocked out because she follows the Doctor around. Um, and the Doctor does most of the, um, most of the 
stuff in that episode. Like, um, he doesn't tell Clara to do anything. Um, in fact, when he goes and saves the day, Clara is, is, is knocked out. Um, yeah. So it doesn't really hold true for Belle of St. John. Rings of Akerton has a counterexample. Because although Clara um, ran away with Mary on the doctor's orders, she then comes back and saves the day with the leaf, which is, you know, very much not doing what the doctor told her to do um, and being alive because she didn't obey his orders. Um, so uh, Clara's conveniently forgotten that one. Um, Cold War, there is an example, um, when she's doing the Ice Warrior negotiation, she, you know, follows the instructions that the Doctor gives her, um, Cold War is a good example, um, and Hyde is also one that I think Clara might be thinking about here, because although Clara doesn't specifically follow his orders, um, she sees Emma doing what the doctor tells her to do here and obviously that all works out okay um so she, she could legitimately be thinking of cold war and hide i think here um journey to the center of the tardis she can't remember at the moment and crimson horror clara really doesn't do much in crimson horror um <laughs> like i enjoyed that episode but clara clara really doesn't do much um so I think Clara's exaggerating a bit by saying that the only reason she's still alive is because she does what the Doctor says. Because although she's got a couple of sort of examples in Cold War and Hyde, she also has the example in uh, Rings of Akerton where she did not do what he told, told her to. Um, so, yeah. Clara's... Um, Clara's falling into the in into the kind of trap of being a general companion rather than being consistent to what we've actually seen of her. Um, I mean that's a minor quibble. The one element of this story that is a little bit more than a minor quibble is uh the fact that in this episode we have the Doctor starting to fancy Clara which I touched on last episode with the um whole kissing Jenny and um and and that whole thing um but yes it's here as well um I I just don't like this thread um at first so the first scene where this is suggested is um is during one of the scenes where the cyber planet is pretending to be the doctor um to to deceive clara um that element of it on its own great like the idea of the cyber man the cyber planner pretending to be the doctor and accidentally giving him away by say, saying that that you know he had feelings for clara great but then there is the stupid so stupid um line at the end of the episode which is um the doctor talking about clara and saying that she's a mystery wrapped in an enigma squeezed into a skirt that's a little bit too tight such a stupid line i i just no no 
um a next episode I will talk a little bit about why it bugs me so much when the doctor just starts flirting with everyone specifically the 11th doctor um yeah specifically the 11th doctor like because it's very clearly he's the way it's put across in this episode it's it's very clear sort of it's very surface level he's not He's not in love with his companion like he was with Rose or like the Doctor will be again with Yaz. It, it's not like that. It's it's this surface level, like Clara is an attractive young woman. And just, no, that's not, that just doesn't suit the Doctor. Um, the Tenth Doctor kind of gets away with it with like, well, with um, Madame de Pompadour in particular, because because he because it's not surface level, um. Yeah, when the tenth Doctor flirts with Madame de Pompadour, it's it's very much not surface level. Like the the tenth Doctor properly falls for her, um. Whereas here, like. Yeah, the Doctor's not falling for Clara. He just finds her attractive. And that doesn't suit him. That is my one quibble with this episode. And to be fair, it's just one line. That one line right at the end. Because like I say, don't have an issue with the cyber planner stuff. Don't even have an issue with like the cyber planner trying to needle the Doctor into in um and, and tease her about Clara with this idea that he's been talking about thinking about Clara so much because like the cyber planner is evil he is twisting what the doctor's thoughts are so it is just that one line at the end of the episode um but it's a really annoying one line and and it's not the only moment that we will see um I think we will pick this thread up again when I talk about time of the doctor um unless there's any other moments before but there's certainly some moments in time of the doctor that i will pick this thread up again tiny quibble aside let's talk about the cyber planner scenes in a bit more depth and kind of what they tell us about the doctor so let's start with talking about the actual performance of this scene um so in the first scene where the doctor gets possessed uh, you have i think um so Matt Smith, he's trying to make the two performances distinct. Um, so you have Matt Smith using a slightly different voice for the Cyber Planner. I, it sounds more suave, I think. Um, I, I'm not sure how much of it is like the uh, trying to separate the, out the characters versus the fact that in that first scene, like the Cyber Planner is you know, his plan is all going very well and the Doctor's very much like, um, uh, like, you know, get out of my head. You know, the the two characters are playing very different, different roles. They're not, um, you know, they're both in, in very different, like, mental head spaces in that, in, in that, in that first scene. But yeah, I think Matt Smith is using a slightly different voice. Um, 
it's always very very clear who's speaking in that first scene um partly because they're using the uh face machinery or the visual cue which really i really like um so when it's the doctor speaking you can just see his face and when it's the cyber planner speaking they have the camera or 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 the doctor turned round so that you can see that uh, face machinery i think that's a really neat way of doing it um it's also really obvious from context um because like i say in that scene it's kind of obvious who's doing what um yeah it's obvious when it's the doctor talking versus when it's the cyber planner talking um yeah because I, I was watching these scenes because they're they're really good um and yeah I was watching it with a particular eye for like what Matt Smith was doing with it um he's using he's using his body a lot he's uh he's very uh physical as in in this scene he's there's a moment where he leaps up on the table like he's he's yeah very expansive with his hands which It's a good choice for the Doctor. Um, Matt Smith's cyber planner performance, it still has a touch of the Doctor about it as well. It like it comes across like an evil version of the Doctor rather than like a distinct evil character. Um, which I think is a good choice. Firstly, because... I think it's more interesting to see an evil version of the character we love rather than Matt Smith playing a completely different character. So the um so the obvious comparison to make is in uh is, is with New Earth when you have Cassandra pretending to be both Rose and the Doctor. Um and in that episode like um Billy Piper and David Tennant are playing Cassandra Cassandra, who is pretending to be Rose at one point. I don't think she ever actually tries to pass herself off as the Doctor, does she? I think by the time she possesses the Doctor, like, Rose knows what's up. Um, But, yeah, so we have Billy Piper and David Tennant playing Cassandra rather rather than here. Um, We have Matt Smith playing the Doctor and almost the evil Doctor in, in, in the Cyber Planner. And I think it makes in-story sense as well because the Cyber Planner, after all, is accessing the Doctor's brain um, and he has access to a bunch of his memories and thoughts. So it makes sense that there is a bit of Doctor leaking into, um, in, into how the Cyber Planner is acting. Um, and yeah, the performance is distinct enough, even with the fact that it feels like an evil doctor, it's distinct enough that the only time you question like whether it's the doctor or whether it's the cyber planner um, are the scenes where the cyber planner is deliberately trying to deceive Clara. It's, um, yeah, great performance. Um, so now let's talk more about the kind of in-story stuff about the cyber planner um, scenes. Because there are a few interesting bits that will come back. Firstly, 
The cyber planner says to the doctor at one point, he says, you've been eliminating yourself from history. You know you could be reconstructed by the hole you've left. Um, which... Okay, so there's a few elements here. Firstly, the fact that the doctor's been eliminating himself from history. Um, this is the idea after the wedding of River Song of he's gotten too big, too flashy, and now he needs to step back into the shadows a bit. This is this is how he's been eliminating himself. Um, and I suppose knowing that we're coming up to trend the law, um, this idea that the doctor's eliminating himself from history has not been entirely successful is is you know important in story terms because part of the thing of trend lore is is this legend of the doctor and, and this legend of the doctor that will ultimately you know come back again to the to the stuff we've already seen in a good man goes to war of Kaverian and the others trying to create create a time lord assassin in 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 river um the other interesting thing and this is the thing i actually wrote down didn't write down that last bit <laughs> but the thing i actually wrote down is that this idea of being reconstructed by the hole that you've left after erasing yourself um this idea is reused with clara's exit in a few years time and uh 12's memory loss there um i think obviously that's still several years away but clearly that is an idea that was stewing in uh in Stephen Moffat's brain I think um the other really interesting bit about the uh cyber planner scenes is the bit where they are talking about regeneration um, because obviously we are actually quite close to the end of Matt Smith's era now doesn't feel like it yet but um but we are um so we've got the bit where the doctor um allows the cyber planner to learn a little bit about regeneration and he makes the threat of um of you know i can regenerate and uh, and and uh, and and get rid of you here like i'm i'm showing you the information there so you know i'm capable of it um and we have the bit when he's saying that where the pictures of all the previous doctors flash up on the on the screen. So we have all of the classic doctors, up to Doctor 8, then there's 9, 10, and then there is an extra picture between 10 and 11 showing what I think is 10 with his, heart, with his arms out. And given what we know and what we find out in time of the doctor, the fact that when 10... Uh, semi-regenerated in uh in stolen earth that that did counter the regeneration um i think it yeah it's definitely meant to be that i didn't like i've got a bit i didn't zoom in or anything but um but i'm pretty certain in what i'm saying um so we have this idea that 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 the stolen earth regeneration counted as a regeneration it seeded here which is neat and which i have never noticed before never noticed that before uh certainly didn't notice it at the time um 
we obviously we don't have confirmation of the whole i've reached my regeneration limit thing until time of the doctor but like it is here obviously minus the war doctor i will come back to that but um the doctor he also semi acknowledges the the fact that he's coming up to his limit on regeneration here um in in his threat when when he's threatening to regenerate um he he says he says use this me up and who knows what we'll get next now there is obviously an element of bluff there because like obvious like the doctor's not gonna say to the cyber planner if i'm this threat to regenerate is actually uh is actually you know self-destructive because i am at my limit and i probably won't come back um because if he said that like the threat is going to be less convincing any threat it's less convincing when it's like self-destructive so there is an element of, of bluff there but even though there's an element of bluff, he's still kind of hinting at the fact that he doesn't know what's going to happen when he regenerates next. Um, which is interesting. And shows that the Doctor's probably, you know, thinking about it. Um, now, this is obviously amazingly significant given what the next three episodes are. Um, given that we have name of the doctor, day of the doctor, and time of the doctor, but it's also um it also fits really well in this story because there is a parallel between the doctor threatening to regenerate and you know potentially kill himself here. Um, there's a parallel between that and the um strategy of the Imperium throughout this episode of this idea of you blow up any planet where there's a Cyberman. Um, so that they can't spread. So there's definitely a parallel there. Um, I I initially wrote that down as a as the question. Um, but no, there definitely is, and that's especially because there's also a parallel between the two chess games, in the um, in the story. So like they're definitely trying to draw a parallel between what the Doctor is doing and then the bigger kind of Cyberman story. Um, because you have the chess game at the start with the deactivated Cyberman, and then you have the Doctor slash Cyber Planner chess game. Um, so yeah, they're they're very into their parallels in this story. Um, so yeah, that's this is interesting. It is interesting that it is actually seeding this idea that the 11th Doctor's regeneration is going to be significant because because of that initial 13th Doctor limit um, that was set way back in classic Doctor Who. I can't actually remember which story it was in. I want to say The Brain of Morbius, but that's the one where we get the flashbacks to all of the Doctors. Um, like, to Doctor's prior to the the first doctor um and i don't think that would be in the same episode so i can't remember um 
possibly in the deadly assassin yeah i think it might be in the deadly assassin but anyway it's certainly something that uh Doctor Who fandom at the time in 2013 was like, this is a limit that we are coming up to. Now, going back to that thing of seeing all of the Doctors there, obviously the War Doctor is missing. Why? I mean, and we're talking in-story reasons why, obviously. The out-of-story reason for why is so that we get the uh, great ending to the next episode but um in story reasons so my first thought around this was does the doctor remember the war doctor um because i couldn't remember when watching this if the doctor is like properly suppressing his memories of being the war doctor like um you know the war doctor deliberately is not called the doctor and i wondered how far that went with does the doctor even remember that time but um after thinking about it for a little while um of course he remembers the war doctor because this whole thing of what he did in the time war has been a major major driver for doctors 9 10 and 11 um so yeah the doctor the doctor remembers about the war doctor he probably um i was gonna say he doesn't dwell on it but again it's been this major driver in his last three incarnations so like he kind of has been dwelling on it um but i think what's going on here is that he just is specifically trying not to reveal about the war doctor to the siberiad um because I think the secret of the war doctor it's not a secret to the doctor it is a, but it is a secret that the doctor does not really want other people to know um and there's a few in story things that sort of mean that mecha the mechanics of that all works out because um when the siberiad first uh, possesses the doctor possess doesn't feel like the right word but i'm going to use it anyway um, so right at the start, the Siberia notes that the Doctor is able to put some kind of mental block up. Um, so we have this idea that the Doctor can stop the Siberiad from accessing certain parts of his brain. And then when he's talking about regeneration, he specifically says that he is allowing the Siberiad access to that information about regeneration. Um, so again the doctor clearly does have some kind of control over what the siberiad can access so yeah he just doesn't want the siberiad to know about the war doctor and that's um firstly understandable because it, it is this massive secret still for him but it also probably helps the whole i will regenerate and kill you bluff because i get the impression that the 13 lives limit is kind of it's either sort of more widely known about Time Lords or it's like part of the information that he has released to the Siberiad. Um, and obviously without the War Doctor being included, that means he's not up to the limit yet. So it probably helped the bluff um, to be like, look, this is my last body and that might be why I'm, you know, uncertain about what I'm going to get. But, you know, 
this threat I'm making is not self-destructive. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, I've gone more into talking about like the mythos and stuff just because that's what occurred to me this time round. But, um, like I say, I love all the stuff about the, um, the character of Porridge and how the Cybermen are used in this episode. I, I just, I, I really, really like this episode and it is my, it is my favourite Cyberman one. Um, that was a real treat to rewatch it. Um, thanks for listening. The email address for this podcast is helentalkswho at gmail.com if you have any commentary. Love to hear from you. Next time I will be watching Name of the Doctor. Well, as I said, I've already watched it. I will be talking about Name of the Doctor. Um which is yeah a big episode um and i'm very much looking forward to talking about it see ya <laughs>